Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. There's forces similar to what inflated the last bubble going on. But then at the same time, I think we are seeing various factors that are moving Seattle into the next tier of real estate market. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the U.S. Our simple, proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Get your free copy of the ultimate guide to out-of-state real estate investing at noradarealestate.com slash guide. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com slash guide. Do you know how you can benefit from crowdfunding? If you haven't checked out our special series, Best Crowdfunding Crash Course Ever, presented by Patch of Land, then you need to. It's episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173. Because you'll hear from the industry's leading crowdfunding experts on how you can benefit by getting involved. Whether it's getting access to funds for your deal or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Tim Ellis. Hi, Tim. Hi there. Tim's joining us from Seattle, Washington, where he is the founder of Seattle Bubble. And Seattle Bubble is for anyone not in Seattle, because anyone in Seattle knows this, but anyone not in Seattle, it's Seattle's most popular source for real estate news and discussion. Tim's got an engineering and internet technology background. He's addicted to spreadsheets, perhaps unhealthy addiction to spreadsheets, and he is really into data analysis. And you can tell that whenever you go to Seattle Bubble, it's really data-driven and really insight-driven. So definitely go check that out. With that being said, Tim, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah. So like you said, uh, my background is in actually electrical engineering. Uh, I initially had no experience at all in real estate. And I really kind of got into real estate when I first started thinking about buying a house for myself in 2005. So I'm, I'm still, I'm not an investor personally, but you know, I spent a lot of time looking at what's going on in the market and just kind of 
really digging into the data and looking at spreadsheets and stuff. And this that all started with just looking for a personal home in 2005 when the real estate market was going crazy and everybody said, you know, oh, home prices are just going to keep going up and up and up. And I said, something seems wrong here. So I started doing some research and putting it together and that kind of became Seattle Bubble. And over the first few years when the housing bubble was still going strong, it was very... Uh, sort of a, a niche site, not a lot of interest. But then once the bubble really popped, all of a sudden I'm the local expert now because I was right. And nobody was listening to me really when uh, they didn't want to hear what I had to say. But once they realized that there was actually a housing bubble and it was popping and the economy was crashing, uh, everybody started turning to me for advice about what's going on in the Seattle real estate market. Where's Seattle right now in the market? You know, it's uh, like most of the country, you know, we had the big housing bubble that, you know, kind of burst in 2007, 2008 and declined for a few years and everything kind of bottomed out pretty much everywhere in the country. Seattle, no exception, in uh, early 2012. And since then, Seattle especially has really bounced back. Uh, It's bounced back so strongly that we're now actually debating whether we're getting into another real estate bubble. Uh, right now. So it's uh, it's it's really an interesting time because the, the economy is really strong here. There's a lot of tech jobs growing really quickly. And so, you know, foreign money coming in, there's a lot of rumors kind of about, you know, Chinese investors coming in and buying up a lot of the expensive properties. So, so there's a real question right now of whether Seattle is entering into another real estate bubble or if we're kind of becoming more of a market like, you know, San Francisco or something where there's just going to be this sort of like new level of home prices where home prices are high. And that's what people said last time. And it obviously wasn't the case, but you know, is it going to be the case this time? And we don't know yet. We're kind of trying to figure out what's happening. And what's your answer to, are you in a bubble or not? You just said you're not, you don't know yet, but if you had to guess and based on, and I know based on your background, you don't just guess. (laughs) You have a lot of data to support you. So what's your, what's your take on it? You know, it seems like I would say we're not yet in a bubble, but what we have right now going on in Seattle is sort of, I think there's two forces happening at the same time where there's forces similar to what blew the last bubble, kind of what inflated the last bubble uh, happening again, where there's some sort of kind of irrational market forces going on. But then at the same time, I think we are seeing various factors that are kind of moving Seattle sort of into this like next tier of real estate market where things are just going to be expensive and it's, it's, it's going to be, there are going to be some people, you know, in the in the um, kind of lower price ranges who are going to end up being priced out, and so it's it's hard to really distinguish like what's you know how much of the market is being driven by those two factors, you know, because I feel like the changing of the market to sort of this more expensive tier is a thing that happens over decades, not over you know just a few years. So you know, as fast as things have have appreciated over the last couple of years, I'd say we're not quite in a new bubble yet. But if if we keep seeing another couple of years of this, we're definitely, I think, going to be in a precarious space where home prices may, you know, crash again. What's an area of Seattle that isn't as well known, but is prime for big time growth? That's a, that's an interesting question. Uh, South of Seattle is really, I think, a place that that developers and investors have started to notice recently that uh, it has a lot going for it, largely because of the light rail. There's a light rail, uh, right? The Seattle uh, public transit situation is not great. Uh, really, historically, pretty much all we've had is buses. And the first light rail, first real train public transit got finished a few years back, and it runs from downtown Seattle south down to the airport. And so all the neighborhoods that that passes through are really 
starting to experience some real growth. And some of that opportunity may already be gone, but I think there's still potentially a lot of opportunity there because South Seattle is also typically where the lower end homes are and stuff like that. So I think there's a lot of potential there for, for more, even more growth. Tim, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Like I said, I, I don't personally invest, but definitely I think my best advice for investing is, and, and this you know comes from my years looking at the market and, and you're writing about a housing bubble and everything is you shouldn't assume uh, appreciation, you know, price appreciation. You know, home prices are not always going to go up. You know, if you need home price appreciation for your investment to make money, then I don't think that's really an investment. Like you need cash flow. You know, that's that's what you need to look at. And that's what I think ended up biting a lot of people who who thought they were investing you know, during the housing bubble that we had, you know, 10 years ago. They thought they were, they called themselves investors, but they weren't really investors because what they really were doing was gambling, speculating on increasing appreciation. They weren't actually making investments that were cash flow positive from day one. Going back to the data that you analyze, you can look into any sort of numbers and kind of evaluate a market from vacancy to, you know, median income to, you know, really anything. What do you primarily use to see where you're to jobs, job diversity? What do you use to see where the market's at? You know, I, there's, I don't know if there is one primary thing. It's sort of a, a matter of you got to really take in all the data. You got to look at, you know, just where are home prices going? How do home prices relate to local rents? That's a big one because, you know, rent prices can't be affected by, you know, crazy financing or low interest rates. You know, people have to pay rent from what they're actually earning. So if there's a huge, you know, divergence between home prices and rent prices, you know, that's a real good sign that there might be a housing bubble going on. Uh, obviously, you look at home prices relative to local incomes and not just median incomes, but per capita incomes. And if you can get the data, you're looking at it relative to investment income, because that's a lot of people in the upper tiers are using, you know, investment income or, you know, stock payouts to, to purchase real estate. Look at things like what percentage of deals are all cash. That's a big one. Uh, you know, during the housing bubble that we had, there was almost no all cash deals and a very startlingly high percentage of deals that were 100% financed. You know, that whereas now that's kind of flipped exact opposite. We have very few 100% financed deals and a lot, a surprising number of all cash deals. And so those kinds of things are, I'd say, at the top of the list. And how do you get that information on what percentage of deals are all cash and how do home prices relate to local rent? So rent and income, those things are available for a number of different sources, uh, public data like census data, um, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, things like that, uh, government sources usually. Uh, the, the one about like all cash purchases and what, what percent people are putting down, that's a little hard to get. It's, it's, it's derived from public information. Usually uh, the county, the local counties have public recording on every home sale and how much of it is financed. Unfortunately, it's usually kind of difficult to get in aggregate. Uh, fortunately, I've been able to work at companies where we have access to data. There's data aggregators that, that collect all that data from all the counties all around the country and put it all into sort of a, a unified uh, data database where it's all easily queryable. And so I've been able to use that. And that's um, the big provider for that is CoreLogic is the, the company that provides that, but it's not free. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com 
forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Do you need an equity partner or do you know about a great deal and want to get paid for finding it? Masia Development is looking for retail and medical office deals nationwide in the 1 to 30 million range. With over 500 million of assets in their portfolio, Masia Development can help you make that retail or medical office deal happen. Email them at jv at m-a-s-c-i-a-d-e-v.com. Okay, Tim, best ever book you've read. All right, I'm going to go with Are You Missing the Real Estate Boom, which the subtitle was The Boom Will Not Bust and Why Property Values Will Continue to Climb Through the End of the Decade and How to Profit with Them. It was published in early 2005, right at the height of the previous housing bubble, <laughs> and it's uh, it's comedy gold. It was written by the uh, the guy who was at the time the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, and he was being dead serious, but it's actually a great book to read for just a, a litany of examples of wrong ways to think about what's going on in the real estate market and and just terrible investing advice. It's sort of like the exact like worst ways you could think about things. Best ever listeners, I know you like audio and you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that and just know what you're getting into whenever you listen to that book. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it. So I'd say it was definitely a, an interesting growth experience running a real estate site that was warning people about a housing bubble in 2005 and 2006 when the when the frenzy was really going on and nobody thought there was a housing bubble everybody thought that you know the real estate part was going to last forever home prices only go up and you know so it was really you know I was doing all this research and I was pretty convinced of what I was seeing but you know nobody really wanted to listen to me and so that was that was an interesting growth experience to kind of realize that you know even even when everybody that you that you read everybody else you read and everybody who's you know got the loudest voices thinks something you know the opposite you know you should really look at the data and you know figure out what that's telling you best ever success habit you practice don't let emotion drive you know big investment decisions best ever story you've written about on Seattle bubble <laughs> oh you caught me off guard with that one that's a uh, I would say the best story that I've written about, boy, so many good ones. I can see you patting your own back on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, it's hard. Um, boy, best ever story. I'd say, you know, I think that the best ones are really just ones that focus on, you know, real, real examples. You know, one of the the, the best ones that, that, that I always like are the ones where I look at, you know, kind of like real life numbers and kind of run the numbers on like, well, what if, you know, somebody bought this home you know, on this date at this price and they finance it in this way and then kind of like play out like, well, how does, what does that look like over, you know, five years, over 10 years and just really kind of playing out, you know, taking all this sort of abstract data and playing it out into like, here's a, here's a real life scenario. What does that really look like? Best ever project you're most excited about right now? So in real estate, I think I'm just excited about the continuing growth. You know, these are projects that I'm not personally involved in uh, anymore, but um, the continuing growth of Redfin, you know, that's, I used to work for Redfin. I don't anymore, but just seeing, seeing them continue to grow, expand across the country, uh, expanding their footprint, expanding the size that they are in every market, you know, their, their business model is very different from your typical real estate brokerage. And I'm excited to watch them continue to grow and, and change the real estate industry, kind of bring it into the future. And, and uh, similar to that, you know, there's, there's just uh, this birth right now going on of more and more alternative brokerage models. Uh, here in the Seattle area, we've got a ton of them. There, there's all these different models that are coming up where you know people are doing listing agents for 
you know, different uh, commission structures, uh, flat fees, um, built in. You know, there's a, a couple of guys that I've worked with uh, here in Seattle area that, that are lawyers, so they're offering uh, legal services uh, and then flat fee brokerage services. So just watching all of these companies, these alternative brokerage models grow and flourish is really exciting to me. Uh, outside of real estate, the project that I'm personally involved in that I'm excited about is the company I'm working for right now, which is Glowforge, where we're building a really cool home consumer uh, laser cutter. What the heck's that? <laughs> it's a uh, so laser cutter is you know it's a device you you will have it you can have it like you know on your on your counter you know on your workshop bench or whatever and you put in you know acrylic or wood or leather and you just upload you know a pattern you could draw it in you know in any you know 2D you know drawing program you upload a pattern and you can just cut the pattern right right there so like you could you know design your own custom wallet and have it cut in two minutes or you could design you know an acrylic sign and have it cut in you know five minutes um, you could design all kinds of different projects out of wood and, and just you, you put the material in there and you hit go and it just cuts it with the laser it's really cool so it's basically scissors <laughs> yeah scissors for wood and acrylic and leather and all kinds of stuff that are that are very precise and very fast best ever way you like to give back you know, I actually consider blogging really to be giving back. You know, I um, it's something that I've been doing for about ten years now. I make you know I make very little money off of it. I, I don't do it for the money. You know, I continue doing it. I, I, I've made uh, it's just something that I do. Basically, I do all this research for my own use. You know, I ended up buying a house in 2011. Finally, after six years of searching, and really the blog was started as sort of like my own personal just like research store for my personal home search but I've continued it even after buying a house because I've realized it's really like a public service to anybody else who's who wants to invest who wants to buy a you know buy their own house who wants to even just like learn what's going on in the market just because they want to know what's going to happen to their rent next year you know so that's that's something I really consider the blog itself to be sort of a, a, a giving back best ever quote that's a tough one a, a lot of the ones I like I don't know you know they're they're sort of misattributed like uh uh the, this one is attributed often to Mark Twain, but it's falsely. The uh, it's better to keep your mouth closed and let people think you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. And, uh, and that one I think really applies well to sort of you know I've been doing this blogging for so many years, and it, and when you do spend a lot of time on the internet, you inevitably will end up getting drawn into petty internet arguments, and so I think that's pretty applicable. And ties into your engineering and data-driven background too, where you want to make sure that what you're putting out there is accurate and is founded in numbers. Yeah, exactly. What's the biggest mistake you've made in business? So I think actually I'm going to go back to my personal house hunt on that one. Um, you know, like I said, I've never really done any uh, any real estate investing per se, but you know, obviously buying our home is, you know, my own personal home is, you know, in a way an investment. And, you know, when we were buying our home, we looked at a lot of homes and we made offers on a, a good handful. And there was one that was before we bought, ended up finding the home that we ended up buying that we, we really liked. And we, it had been on the market for a while and we decided to lowball the offer. And we're literally, we're talking about like $5,000 here on the price of a home, which is, you know, nothing. But we thought that we could, you know, haggle with it. It was a bank owned home. We thought we could haggle with the bank on for this and get them down a little bit because it had been sitting on the market for a while and it ended up, we were really close to closing the deal and getting them to agree to this lower price when another buyer came in and ended up offering them quite a bit more than we were willing to pay. And if we would have just offered them list price at the front at the front of it, which was in fact more than fair, 
because at the time, you know, that was when the market was still really distressed, and we we would have still been getting a great deal, but we lost it because we were you know, haggling over this, you know, just a couple of thousand dollars, and we ended up getting, you know, basically kind of uh, letting uh, letting our uh, our desire to sort of like get an even better deal, you know, over overshadow the uh, ability to just get a good deal. Tim, what's the best ever place to reach you? SeattleBubble.com. And I'm going to throw out your your Twitter handle because it's got a My Little Pony with some sort of like <laughs> tattoo on it yeah. <laughs> as a picture. So uh, it's at Seattle Bubble on Twitter. So definitely say hi to him there. The Pink Pony is this long running gag uh, that that's been going that's from Seattle Bubble that uh, we actually had. It's funny, you know. There's this now. There's this thing where. Um, it's called bronies where they're, they're fan, like guys who are adult males who are fans of the My Little Ponies. Uh, and now when people see the My Little Pony on Seattle Bubble, they think that it's somehow related to that. But it was this inside joke years years before this whole bronies thing. So it's uh, I still keep it around because I think it's funny. Well, whether or not it's part of the bronies, I'm still grateful to have you on the show. And thank you so much for sharing your best ever advice with the best ever listeners and talking about Seattle talking about the foreshadowing that you had in 2005, 2006, and that you placed out there and talking about where Seattle's at now and where if, if we're looking to invest, you know, take a look at south of Seattle. You said the developers and investors have started to notice that recently, but it's still not quite to the level as the other areas. And the light rail is a big influence in Seattle. Um, primarily, it's been bus transportation for public transportation. Now the light rail is getting, getting in there and getting some traction. Then really taking this advice and we can apply it to any market. And that is be contrarian. Look at the data. Don't listen to what everyone else is saying. Don't follow everybody who is talking and perceived to be an expert. Do your own research and make sure that we're looking at the right stuff. Some of the things that you look for is how do home prices relate to local rent? We can find that on bls.gov. And one of the interesting things that you mentioned as well that you look at is what percentage of deals are all cash and getting access to that. One of the resources you use is CoreLogic. That's not free, so perhaps finding other ways of accessing that data or getting a subscription to CoreLogic would be one. And then talking about kind of the next level project that you're working on with the laser cutter and being able to seamlessly cut stuff. And, you know, I was joking around about the scissor thing, but that is an interesting use of technology. And I'm excited about that as well. And then I agree about the alternative brokerage models. I think that's something that's kind of starting to bubble up in more and more conversations that I have with the best ever guests. And I think that's going to continue to be the case. So whether it's flat fees or whether, you know, there's more creative models, I think it's really interesting. So thank you so much for being on the show, Tim, and sharing your best ever advice. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.